we've got Eric and Clotilde here uh, from the kitchen floor. Hi, everyone. I think uh, maybe we should remind folks a little bit about what our podcast is about. What do you think, Eric? This podcast is about creating a safe community of people who have experienced issues of mental health and also about destigmatizing the experiences and also about self-empathy. Yeah, we're here to elevate the conversation, not just for the people who experience mental health issues, but also for the people who love them. So today we're going to focus on noticing the signs of having mental health challenges. So with that, I thought we would each share a quote and talk a little bit about that and then maybe share some of the things that we've noticed from our own experiences. I think that's a good way to start. So this is a quote from a man named Daisaku Ikeda. He's leader of a lay Buddhist organization called the Soka Gakkai International. And he's just a all-around international humanitarian. And I read a lot of his stuff. We live in a flood of soulless information. And the more we rely on one-way communication, like radio or TV or static and unmoving words in print, the more I feel the need to stress the value of the sound of the human voice the simple but precious interaction of voice and voice, person and person, the exchange of life with life. I love it. Isn't it like multidimensional, right? It really opens up a conversation about how we can notice each other and notice things within ourselves. And then that gives us an opportunity to really look at kind of how we are moment to moment and really check in. You know, text messages and emails are great in terms of communicating logistics and work and things that like have to get done, you know, but they're not real connection, at least not to me. I think the opportunity to really speak with somebody, whether that's on the phone, ideally in person, is an opportunity to really be with them in a way that acknowledges whatever they're experiencing in that moment. And that's whether you have a mental health challenge or you just, it's Tuesday. I agree. It's, it's a powerful quote. Thank you for sharing it. Thanks. I thought it'd be a good way to kind of get into it today, you know? So when you have had challenges in the past, like what kinds of things did you notice that let you know that you're definitely in a different place and maybe needed to talk to somebody about that? So for me, um, I'd say it was not until things got a bit challenging that I've really noticed that things were happening because I believe now that I've always been on overdrive, like, you know, it, it, things had to get done, right? So things had to get quote unquote bad enough that it forced me to pause and realize that maybe something was up. And because the way I was raised, I really wasn't given the opportunity to discuss certain things the way I would have wanted to. So a lot of it had to trigger a sense of self-awareness I think if I go back to in college is when I started being depressed. And because I was working full time and I was also taking four or five classes, I didn't have time to really rest. And I think it's during those times when you are resting that you are able to sometimes see what's coming on. So I just powered through it until the end of college. And I believe at the very end of my school year is when I crashed. And I think I was I had a few a few weeks off. And it really, really gave me a chance to look back and revisit moments when uh, bouts of depression had already started. And 
even then, I think back in my 20s, I didn't really realize what was going on. So it, it became part of my life to have ups and downs. And it's not until I had pretty, pretty, pretty low lows that I asked myself whether something was up. And I now try to be a lot more uh, aware of it. But at the beginning, it was quite hard. I don't know that I was quite good enough at being able to discern those moments. And uh, there are skills that people have developed in, in, in doing so that I'm not trying to, to use more often. How about you? Well, for me, the signs are, I mean, for me, with depression, the first time, sure, I didn't know what was happening. I just you know, thought it was a string of bad days that then turned into months. But now, like, there's some pretty consistent things that I, I recognize as, as what happens, right? So it's anything from being um, short-tempered on a consistent basis, not like just being hangry, um, because that happens, um, but more like, you know, really just short-tempered with everybody about everything. Or uh, one of the first signs for me is it's extremely difficult for me to get dressed. And that sounds silly, but it becomes this level of overthinking, like from my underwear to why this underwear is not right for this outfit to I can't figure out what clothes to wear because jeans are not okay or the t like this level of overthinking that just becomes completely irrational and I'll catch myself. And now if that happens, I'm like, okay, this is not okay. Just put on some fucking clothes and call your best friend and uh, maybe your therapist because this is not going to go well for anybody if this is the pattern of thinking 10 minutes out of bed. So I think those types of things, you know, that comes from a lifetime of experience, but it's kind of one of the beautiful things about having lived with this type of challenge is like you you get familiar with noticing those signs and then you can um, catch yourself in them, those moments. Do you have someone in your life that knows you well enough that you could check in with when you first started feeling depressed, right? Like if he or she were a good mayor, a friend of yours that could tell you whether or not there was anything that was a bit unusual. I think for me, those people who know me the best are my family, but it's so easy to hide from family, isn't it? Uh, after family, it's my chosen family, right? Who are the people in my life who do serve as that mirror for me and who can kind of put me in check. And even, you know, if you don't live with somebody, it's even then, it's even with your closest friends, it's, you can still do a bit of hiding. And that's why it's so important for us to be honest with ourselves because, you know, more than lying to other people, it's often us hiding it from ourselves because you get that sense, that fear of like, oh God, no, I don't want it to be this again. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go down that path of all the things of what it has been in the past. And you just go to kind of worst case scenario thinking, but that's also part of the disease, right? And so if you can acknowledge and see, oh, it's, this is just a moment. It's time to call that friend. It's time to out yourself. It's time to be honest with yourself. And that's why it's so powerful to have a community of people who um, have also experienced mental health challenges because we know the lies we tell ourselves, right? Who better than us? 
because we play those games all the time, don't you? Yeah, of course. You know, do I do it? Um, I'm from Africa, right? And so though I grew up in a rather progressive environment, I believe that to an extent, um, lying to yourself was a means of survival because otherwise you'd have to face certain truths that would be so hard to uh, contend with, right? Uh, now that I think I've been be this, now what? What about my mission in life? And for me, the mission was, all right, it's time to find a career. It's time to make it. It's time to prove to your parents that their sacrifices have been able to amount to something. And it's much, much easier to want to bury whatever you think might actually be happening than to ever discussing it with anybody else. And um, that easy choice, in quotes, can end up being one of the worst decisions that you could ever make in life. Right. Again, it's just the lies we tell ourselves, right? Because we think that's going to be easy. When you sweep something under the carpet, it's still there. It doesn't go anywhere. In fact, the more you put under there, the more dirt that, you know, and then the, then you got problems with the carpet. And then, you know, it just, it doesn't go away. So the sooner you can get to a place where you can just acknowledge what it is and let go of whatever it is that's holding you back from just acknowledging it, the sooner you're on your way to getting to a better place, moving on, moving through it, right? It doesn't go away, but you can process and move forward. Indeed. Um, what ways to cope have you developed when you start sensing that something is up? Well, I think you know it's important that we do the things that make us happy, that bring us joy. Um, you know, just self-care is critical. And whether it's the smallest thing, like being nice to yourself about like you ate a chocolate bar that day, you know, because you just needed to feel good for those five minutes. And so long as you're not eating a chocolate bar every five minutes, so what? Or going outside and just sitting in the sun or taking a walk or um, self-care comes in so many different forms. And I think we all have to figure out what that looks like for each of us. But I do think there's some basic things that are, you know, as simple as eat healthy, get exercise, get some sunlight every single day. These are just basic things that will help you function in day-to-day -day life, whether you have some kind of mental health challenge or not, right? You know, getting good sleep, eating at least two to three meals a day, and talking to your friends. Like another trick that we do is like we isolate, right? We just disappear. And you can tell your friends, oh, yeah, I'm just really busy at work. And you can tell people at work, I'm really got a lot of stuff happening at home. But eventually when you're at home alone under the blankets, under the bed, wherever it is that you go to hide, it's you and you have to make a different choice. And that choice is reaching out to tell somebody, I'm not okay and I need help. And maybe it's just being on the phone with me for five minutes or maybe it's, can you come over? Or, you know, you got, you got to learn how to ask for what you need. I think that's another big part of self-care, asking for what you need and having the courage to do it. It feels like you've, you've thrown a line 
at me like that in the past. And I think me as me to you as well. So I'd like for you to, to make me a promise. Next time you and I talk and you tell me, oh, Eric, I'm so busy with work and you're actually under the blankets, please holler. <laughs> you know, I never am under the blankets. That's one of the great things about our friendship, right? I mean, I think our friendship is a part of my self-care because we check in on each other and we know usually within like the first five seconds of being on the phone, you can tell from my voice, I can tell from yours. When we say, how are you? I don't think you or I have ever just said fine. And then that's it because we're both like, we know that if somebody just says fine on the other side of the line, it's like, okay, I call bullshit. What's going on for real? You know, what's the worst <laughs> is when your close friends call and you know that if you just give that voice that you have, they'll pick up on it. So you have to pretend to sound better than you actually are. And you go, I'm wonderful. How are you? And they go, stop fucking around. I know what's going on. I'm coming by right now to get you. <laughs> I'm on the way. Thank you for answering the phone. I'm on the way. <laughs> so now you have to develop a way to sound measured while, while trying to hide that you are feeling so down. It's just, it, it, it's, it's funny. Well, that's another great thing about the human voice, right? You can't hide it. You can't hide, you know, being manic or being depressed or having anxiety in your voice. You can't. You're like, the people who really know you know, oh, okay, something's up. I got to get over there. I need to talk to them. I need to be, you know, do we, you know, are you talking to your therapist? What's going on? You know, and that... I know that at least for me, the people closest to me, they can hear it in my voice. They're like, oh, I can tell you, you, you sound great. Or what's up? Well, another one that I also don't like is when you actually are fine, but just tired. And they say, so what are you doing? And you go, I'm fine. And they go, oh, I'm coming by. And you say, no, I'm fine. I promise I'm good this time. I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm just tired. No, really. I just only <laughs> slept four hours last night. because. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that like the other thing is like when we do check in on each other, like that, like the incredible power of having those people who are so in your corner, like I can think of times where you've just pumped me up and you've reminded me who I am when I completely forgot. And that's another great value of like when you notice the signs, because I can be like, I got to call Eric and get a quick pick talk in. Yeah. Well, vice versa, right? I mean, um, it's so amazing how we quickly tend to forget our powers and the strong foundation that helps us function well tends to be quite easily forgotten. So think of it as a, as a brick wall. It takes one little brick to be a bit off and we forget that there's about a thousand other bricks there. And so as sturdy as it looks, it can also look so fragile. Hence the power of community. Right, a gentle attempt at putting the brick back into the wall can make us feel whole again. I love that image, putting the brick back in the wall, sealing it up with the mortar of, you know, friendship and love and just nurturing, right? Yeah. You know, and putting that brick back in the wall can take shape in the form of someone on the street that just gives you a smile, right? Just a smile. Or someone saying hi to you, someone reminding you of, of who you are someone saying to you, oh, please go ahead, like trying to yield, or someone uh, um, giving you one sense because you don't have any change at the grocery store. You know what that's called, right? What? Just human kindness. <laughs> We've kind of forgotten about it, right? Because it seems like it comes around so rarely, but it's just like 
general human kindness. And when you get those moments, when you get see those glimpses in society that ha- can happen, that can be really one of those uplifting moments, right? That just can change your whole day. Indeed. Um, I sometimes wonder what exactly it is about that action, right? Human kindness that affects the psyche if someone is depressed, right? Like what exactly in that very particular gesture that's able to revive a sense of belonging again? I think it is just like acknowledging that we're all part of the same human experience. And it's like that you're seeing another person see you in the way that is not the way you're seeing yourself in that moment, right? Because mm-hmm. you, if you're trapped in your head and your experience of whatever that is, whether it's depression, uh, manic episode, or anxiety, or whatever it is, when that person expresses some amount of human kindness, even if it's just letting you in in traffic, they're just being kind. They're just acknowledging your just existence in a way that has nothing to do with your own judgments of yourself. It's just, just because. It's like if we could do that for ourselves, right? I think that much more, the more we can focus on uh, giving ourselves that same kind of a break, then we let go of all these like judgments that we put on ourselves that then kind of start to weigh us down. And maybe that's, that's another part of self-care. So do you have a quote for us, Eric? I do, but uh, mine is not nearly as empowering as yours because, you know, I also want to be the person that could be listening to this and is currently under the blanket (laughs) <laughs> right. And we cannot also pretend, I mean, you and I have lived uh, on the other side of this wall. There's something to be said about society that does not sometimes quote unquote get it and thinks that just getting the person out of bed is going to do the work. <laughs> that's, that's not the case. If only it was that easy. <laughs> right. I mean, I can now vividly visualize myself uh, in bed, not willing to answer the phone. And just finding the safest possible space under the blanket in the dark. And the quote that I have that reflects it is, my only relief is sleep. When I'm asleep, I'm not sad. I'm not angry. I'm not lonely. I'm nothing. Hmm. I know I've felt that before. Right. And trying to hide in that sleep. It's just so powerful to me. It's true. It's powerful because it is so true. Right. And and I think anybody who has been on this planet for more than 15 years has probably felt that at some point. Not to say that, you know, everybody has some dark condition that that has to be analyzed, but just that moment. I mean, I think that's part of why everybody likes sleep, right? It gives you a break. Yeah. When you fall asleep and you get up for like 30 seconds, you open your eyes, you look around and you go, I'm not ready. <laughs> right? And you go back. And sometimes what we need is rest. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I once heard someone say that the cure for mania is sleep. And sometimes people who struggle with manic episodes can't sleep. And that literally becomes like a fuel to the fire that makes everything worse. And I know that I've had bouts of insomnia in the past that where it just made everything in my life 10 times harder than it needed to be, 
eating became a chore, you know, when you're sleeping only three hours a night for six weeks at a clip. It's painful. So it sleep is great medicine. It is. But it can also be used as a tool to conceal from what could be, what needs to be dealt with, right? Oh, for sure. And, and I know I've done it. It's not my go-to because, you know me, I'm kind of the energizer bunny, but I have seen people in my life who have used sleep as a way to escape dealing with harder emotions, harder feelings, harder experiences. And and I think it's completely natural to do that. But I think it's one of those signs that, you know, to be aware of. It's like, oh yeah, if I am sleeping 14 hours a day, maybe it's time to talk to somebody. And to some, it's a, it, it's a luxury, right? Being a mother or father of four or five kids, you'd She'll want be to be a able parent to. of one. <laughs> I think they have a hard time getting any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and kids don't give a shit too. Not only that, they don't understand it, but they still wouldn't care less. I'm actually, I've gotten sadder over the last few minutes because I've actually gone back in a space where I knew it was my only way to cope. And I did not know whom to talk to about this. And sleeping was the best possible solution for me to deal with, with what I was dealing with in the dark. Mm. And spending, I mean, I could, I could spend weeks doing that. That was before you shared with people, right? Before people knew. Because you know, I mean, ain't no weeks going by and you sleeping now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this, I recall, this is a moment in my life, in 2010 in particular, I had lost my job and I had become a lot less social. And what that happens is people don't as often call you to see how you are doing because you just aren't the person that they used to see. And it makes it worse because your phone doesn't ring and you have found solace in being someone who's a lot more into himself um, and in peace and, and quiet. And so my phone would not ring for days on end, which on one end I loved, but then in the, on the other end, because I'm a human being, I'd ask myself, well, how come no one is calling? It's just something that I wish I had been able to, to read about then. Well, I think um, that's part of like the experience, right? That we just like, of course, like I wish I had known 20 years ago that when it was taking me 15 minutes to get dressed I and mean, when it usually takes 30 seconds, but some of this is like what we say in surfing is like, it's just time in the water. You only can learn certain things after you've just been in the water for that long. And so having gone through what you did, sleep was what you knew at that time was working. You hadn't gotten to a place in your life yet where you were able to share with people what was really happening. At the same time, I also think this is a really good point to reemphasize like the importance of us becoming our own, our own best advocates generally, but something that we said before that I'll probably say so many times throughout the course of this podcast is we have to be the experts of our own mental health. Yes, there are professionals, doctors, therapists, tons of mental health care professionals uh, for whom I am so grateful exist, but only we know when to call bullshit for real, right? And I think that's another real value. Shit, that might be the real log line for this podcast is that we are trying to help people become their own best advocates for their mental health. And we're, we're trying to make sure that, that we are all experts on our own mental well-being. I also want to say something about, about this. Um, which, by the way, we still don't know what we are doing. Okay, this is episode number two. But 
I would like it for you guys to be able to, at a point in time, access us if you need to have a list of resources that can help you. We want to make sure that in addition to talking about this, you find in us at least uh, a list of uh, tools that we want to make available to you guys, especially for those that are in um, worst case scenarios. I think that's actually a great segue into setting up a little bit about Dr. Siri. So, Eric, can you tell us just what you know about him? Sure. So, uh, Dr. Siri is a gentleman who was part of a, um, a TV show on Vice for a couple of seasons. The TV show was about him offering advice to some celebrities, and it was a live TV show where he got those people to open up about their own lives. What I found quite amazing about him is his his level of empathy. For instance, he had some hardcore gangsters in real life who happened to be rappers to open up and cry on TV is what touched me because he was able to access trauma in the most uh, public format for someone whose life in real life was really based on the fact that surviving meant not showing emotions and having that person open up and cry in front of a dozen people on TV is what really touched me. And I got a chance to meet him and and, and become his friend. He's just a man full of love, full of empathy and super, super calm and just kind and is able to, to, to access certain aspects of yourself that I find to be quite incredible. And he's accepted to be a guest of ours on this show. I'm so excited he's going to be with us. That makes two of us. That makes two of us. I guess that's another thing that we should um, probably make reference to. I mean, so many people are struggling in these specifically challenging times. These specifically challenging times being we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's completely natural for people to feel overwhelmed by anxiety or really down. And, you know, it's funny because sometimes people think, oh, yeah, I'm depressed because I have a bad day. Nope. That's not depression, um, you know, or they're you know anxious for a short amount of time. And I think there's so many things that Dr. Siri can help us, uh, you know, get clear so that people understand, like when they're experiencing something where they need uh, some professional help, it's important just to let people know you're having a hard time. I mean, I think it's always important to let people know if you're having a hard time, but I do think that's something that everybody struggles with. That's true. I'd like to hope that we would live in a world where it would be so okay saying, hey, I need you. I mean, the simplest possible way to express the need to be seen and touched should not be denied. But furthermore, how do you convert someone into thinking that it's okay to say, I need you? That's part of what we have to get people to just realize, right? It's like, yeah, it's okay to need people. I think we all need people on some level. I don't know when, like what century that kind of we moved into this place where we thought we had to do everything alone. And maybe it's part of Western culture, like the rise of the individual. But I think this idea that we can do everything alone is a complete myth. It's really, the reality is more so in today's society, I think, than ever, or maybe it's just timeless, is that we all need each other. And there's nothing wrong with needing help, whatever that help is with. A school project, something at work, arranging flowers, making dinner, dealing with your kids, figuring something out that's really complex, being in a relationship, dealing with your family, dealing with your health issues, whether it's mental health or 
your physiological health, like we need each other. And I think that's what this idea of seeing each other and being in the moment with each other, whatever that looks like in, but just having that life to life connection that the Akedo quote talks about is so critical. I love that you said that like that needing to be seen and touched, like I'm dying for a hug right now. And we're in a COVID-19 filled world. Who's going to hug me? I can't wait for my next hug. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You just, you you hear something that's so important. People aren't able to be hugged right now. Those that really need it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you live alone and you rely on touch to survive, my prayers are up for anyone who currently needs a touch. If we could create virtual hugging, we'd love to be able to make sure that you have it. There's got to be um, an AI application in the works for this somewhere. Yeah. Let's not take this moment for granted. For those no. of us who are able to do it without being tugged, let's appreciate this moment for what it is and reach out to people who aren't able to be touched right now. That's a good message. That's a good place to stop. What do you think? I think we should, yeah. Nice job, Eric. I'm sending you a virtual hug right now. I just got it. (laughs) I'm still holding on! (laughs) 